0: Welcome in everyone to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Westling, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Brandon S. Um, it's been a while. Uh, obviously, our last episode was after that McKee State game, um, which uh, God, I don't even know what the, what date that was. Um, but I think we like recorded it on like the 11th or the 12th. It was somewhere around there. So it's been quite a bit. Um, Hope everyone had a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Um, Obviously, New Year's coming up here shortly, and Iowa State playing uh, New Year's Eve, obviously, will be. That's kind of the main focal point, is Baylor today, so we'll make sure to get to that later. But uh, yeah, hopefully, if you guys are able to, get out to Hilt Coliseum at 1 o'clock tomorrow for what should be a really good game. But before we go ahead and get into
1: all that, uh, Brandon, how how are you doing today? It's been good. I feel like it's been a while since I've talked to you here on the podcast. and yeah. I guess it has. It's been over a week since the last Iowa State sporting event. and It's been kind of a weird change of pace without a usual bowl game that we have here in between Christmas and New Year's. So yeah, true. it's been a nice little break, but I'm excited to get back into the action. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so
0: the first thing we're going to start with is obviously Otts did it again, um, landing a big time recruit. I'm not going to try his name, but Brandon seems like he's got it down. So I'm going to go ahead and send it over to him.
1: Yeah, another big recruiting win, and he continues to dominate the Midwest. I think we're kind of turning into that Midwestern basketball powerhouse for recruiting at least. And the most recent addition is shooting. He's listed as a shooting guard. He's 6'5", so I guess he could play the three in Iowa State's offense. His name is Noyes Andrewsaitis. So (laughs) thoughts and prayers to all the announcers that have that in Omaha on the rundown for next year. And, you, now. and I think even Milan, people could mess up him. silovic I think is how you say it. Who yeah. knows? We got in the situation with Kanae Nwongu, which is apparently Wong Wu. Yeah. <laughs> so you never really know how to pronounce some of these names. But another really big get, I think the biggest thing I took away from it is he's really going after get some shooters and playing more of the style in the future that he did at South Dakota State and UNLV, which, which was more offensive focused. So I think it'll be a little more fun to watch for people like you, Evan. Yeah. Um,
0: and Brandon has, like, told me this plenty of times. Like, just Ots is very much, uh, um, like, he's going to build around, like, what he has. Like, if you go looked at, like, the teams that he had in the NCAA tournament with South Dakota State, like, they weren't defensive teams. They were offensive teams. So. You know he's kind of just been doing with what the pieces that he has now. Like obviously, like IOC's he's gonna be able to score the ball more. Like, don't expect the defense to go away though. Like it's still probably gonna be big. Like that's just now kind of the DNA of OTS. But no, I I definitely agree. Like with what you've been telling me and just like seeing some of the pieces that he's finally starting to get. Like he's really starting to get his offense. I mean, there's I mean like, he doesn't really have a lot right now, but those offensive pieces are definitely flowing in the next couple years.
1: Yeah, and if these recruiting classes ended today. With the 23 and 24 class, both are top 10. Yeah. Which is just insane with what Otz took over. And I think you're seeing kind of the system he wants to build here with a lot of length at the 4 and 5 position, and then Omaha fits right into that, and then just play super hard on defense, and then try to find your way into the 60s and 70s to win games in the Big 12. Yeah.
0: Um. So uh, anything else you got left on um, the 24-4 <laughs> I'm not going to say. Anything else you got left on him?
1: Uh, Just recruiting in general, I guess. JT Rock is the next priority target for Iowa State. He's the big seven-footer out of South Dakota. I think it's us, Iowa State, Wisconsin. I'm guessing Purdue is in there because he's seven foot, but I don't know that for a fact. (laughs) Yeah, They seem to get all the giant guys, but he's the next guy to keep an eye on. I would guess his decision is going to come in the next six months, so it could really be a while until we find that out and then – basically just waiting on seeing if we get a sit-out transfer in the middle of the year like we did the last couple of years. Sure, yeah.
0: Well, that covers recruiting. So the next thing we got for you is just kind of a um, non-con reaction or recap, whatever you want to call it. Now, obviously, Iowa State had uh, their game versus Omaha canceled. That was on supposed to be on Wednesday, December 21st. Um, obviously due to weather it sounded like it was more of just a they don't want uh, the Omaha players being stuck in Ames or the Iowa State guys being stuck in Ames for the holidays they want to make sure both teams could get back to their families so I think that's the right thing to do Um, I guess before we kind of touch on the other games um, since like we've kind of already have um, I was texting Brandon about this and just like was curious like is this a game that kind of, like, hurts Iowa State? Because, like, you know, having that one extra win instead of having given the Big 12, like, you know, getting to 20 or whatnot.
1: But obviously, Brandon, you know more about that than I do, so I'm going to let you explain that. So from what I've heard from either other podcasts or articles or whatnot, it's basically just a matter of the Omaha game, unless you win the game by 30 like you're supposed to, it actually hurts your metrics. Since okay. Omaha is a bottom – whatever 360 350 team it just tanks your strength of schedule and that tanks your net ranking and your can palm and all of that so it really doesn't hurt you other than the win that it should have been but also you see with Iowa these games before break they can get sketchy in a hurry yeah and you're looking forward to leaving nobody else is on campus and you're the only ones there you have to go play a game against somebody that you think you should beat you can fall into, into a trap really quickly, and that can send you on a downward spiral like we're seeing with, I don't know, I don't want to say our friends in Iowa City, but that team out east. Yeah, uh,
0: and that was actually kind of a topic I wanted to touch on, but we'll kind of cover that once we get to Iowa. So, we'll backtrack a little bit. Obviously, the first three games, not a lot to, to like really talk about. Um, Windsor's IUPUI, North Carolina a and and Milwaukee. Then, obviously, Iowa State went to Portland. Um, playing Villanova, North Carolina, and UConn, going two and one, beating Villanova 81-79, to UConn 70-65, and then losing by 18 to UConn 71-53. Now, if I'm not mistaken, UConn is up to number two in the country, yeah?
1: Yeah, they're number two. They're number one in a lot of the metrics. They're a really, really good team this year. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously you skipped those first three
0: games, all Ws, but, uh, again, can kind of briefly look on and look back at – um, that tournament. I would say the only things is um, as Iowa State fans big to see that North Carolina is back up in the top 25 and hopefully Villanova can get back in there eventually just to kind of give Iowa State that boost down the line on their
1: schedule. I got bad news for you on the North Carolina side of things. They just lost a pit. Oh,
0: well that's fun.
1: And I was former Iowa State player, I guess you could say Blank Hitson at hit the game winning shot. So that's fun. <laughs> if you're an Iowa State fan, you want North Carolina, Villanova, UConn, Iowa. even Iowa, as much as it hurts to do well. is yeah. that boosts up your rankings as well and makes you look like a better team come March, even if you're sitting on the bubble with 18 wins?
0: Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, uh, if you guys are wanting a more in-depth reaction to it, if you wanted to kind of, you know, if for some reason you wanted, like, a more in-depth reaction of that tournament, we do have an episode on that, so Phil Knight Invitational reaction episode. so if you guys like wanted to go listen and if you guys like needed to catch up we obviously will have that out there i uh, just not we're not really going to go over it a whole lot um but yeah i think the uconn loss won't hurt you they're a really really good team um and then obviously just for the strength of schedule stake hopefully villanova and north carolina can figure it out villanova's dealing with injuries north carolina is just kind of i think like a lot of people talked about this they just went on a run in march and now they're kind of dealing with expectations and they're not really capitalizing and they're kind of more at where they were at, honestly, going into the tournament, which was for like the back end of the season, for the most part, they're, they're a bubble team. And then they ended up pushing themselves up to like an eight or nine seed, whatever they were, but um, they're kind of leveling out to what they were
1: before their magical run. Yeah. Then for these teams at all the power five, power six teams that we've played, you just hope they stay in the top 50. So then you get that quad one win that everybody talks about come February and March. Yeah. And currently, by the way, I can get into this right now, I guess Joel had already released his latest bracketology and we're an eight seed for the last eight seed with Purdue as the one that doesn't mean a whole lot right now, but that's just where we're at going into the conference.
0: Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the fill night. Now we'll move on. Um, obviously I would say, um, Went ahead and played North Dakota. Um, I think it was, what, like two or three days after that tournament won that. Then um, played um, – I mean, kind of like going into the season, it was, okay, you have your little cluster, your two clusters of the non-conference, which is, you know, the Phil Knight Invitational and um, the Sunday to Thursday of St. John's in Iowa. Um, They went ahead and split those, obviously, beating St. John's 71-60. Score doesn't really tell you the entire story there as Iowa State dominated that from start to finish. And then the Iowa game lost that by 19. Um, I think probably we're going to end up talking about that one a little bit more. Um, So, yeah, I guess – I mean, I guess we'll start with St. John's if you have anything on that, and then we can kind of get into Iowa.
1: Yeah, St. John's, like you said, the score does not tell the story. We were up whatever, 20 points in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, They did not want to be there. I think when you're looking at these two games in the second cluster, you almost look at two completely different teams effort-wise and identity-wise, and it's just kind of – I think it's the ceiling and floor of what what this team this year can do is that St. John's being the ceiling and Iowa being the floor. There's not a whole lot of analysis to either one of them. St. John's, they did not want to be there. They did not want to be defended – Iowa took it to us. They were the more physical team. They out-rebounded us, and they shot really well, which is going to lead a lot of times to an Iowa State loss if people shoot over 50% from three.
0: Yeah, and obviously that Iowa one is just – they've gone on a complete spiral ever since that game. They lost to Wisconsin. That was their next game after us.
1: And they actually looked good against Wisconsin, so it wasn't – it didn't necessarily start there, but I think – they're sitting at 0 2 in conference now, but I'll let you get back into their spiral and then I'll talk about them a little more.
0: Yeah. Um, and then obviously they went ahead and lost to Eastern Illinois. And like a lot of people were saying, it's the biggest upset because of the line or whatever um, in college basketball history. And then, um, and that, that was a game where they gave up what, like 90 something points in 55 second half points, whatever it was. Yeah, it was a
1: really bad game, and those, like I said before, those games before break are always tricky. There's a couple of these games every year where a Power 5 team goes down to somebody who's rated 356 in Ken Palm.
0: Yeah, and then obviously they just got absolutely crapped on by Fred Hoiberg last night. So Go Fred. Yeah. Um, they're kind of on a downward spiral, and it doesn't help Iowa State because if they continue to go down, considering how much we lost by – Um, that's definitely one that's going to hurt Iowa State down the line if Iowa can't figure it out. Now, obviously, we all sat here and laughed at them the last couple weeks, you know, when they lost to Eastern Illinois and then Fred gets them last night. But weirdly, like, they have to be decent,
1: or at least, as Brandon noted, like, get finish in the top 50. Yep, uh, for them, as an Iowa State fan, so I'm obviously biased, (laughs) I hope they're the one seed in the NIT, because at that point they're going to be top 50 but not in the tournament. Yeah. Perfect spot for them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um,
0: but, yeah, then after that, obviously, Iowa State beat McNeese State 77-40, a.k.a. the National Brock Purdy beat Tom Brady Day. And then <laughs> the they ended up beating Western Michigan 73-57 um, shortly after that, which was the first Trey King game. Um, and certainly will have to be a bigger storyline than it already was um, once we get to Baylor. So um, any final thoughts on the non-con, Brandon, before we go ahead and move on to Baylor?
1: They finished 10-2 and in the nine or nine and two, I guess. They would have been 10-2 and with the last game, but. Still can go 10-2. and They still can. Yeah. Missouri is a really good team, but we'll get into that later. Um, I get, yeah, I mean, three, two, three, four losses was probably what you were expecting going in. You never really know what the team's with five transfers like pretty much everybody anymore. Yeah. But I think that's that's all you could have really asked. I think the losses came in different spots than we were expecting. Yeah. Not even more bad losses right now. Iowa needs to keep it up. I think Villanova really needs to get back in the top fifty, get their groove going. Um, but overall a really solid non con and they're putting us right in the position we need to to get to march. Yeah.
0: So with that, we will go ahead and move on to Iowa State's game tomorrow against Baylor. Um, they host the number 12 team. Baylor is 10-2. and two. Um, Their losses are Virginia. They lost that one by seven and then got absolutely crapped on by Marquette, losing at Marquette by 26. Um, kind of similar to Iowa State losing yeah. to Iowa by as much as they did. It's just an outlier because ever since that game, uh, they did beat Gonzaga by one, um, notching a win over Washington State for what's that for what that is worth winning that by six. Then they've had three just you know, not th- three nobodies. Um, but yeah, Baylor sitting at ten and two, basically identical to what Iowa State would have been at had they not had the Omaha game be canceled. Um, Baylor is currently a fifty-one point one. Or the matchup predictor on ESPN, Baylor is fifty one point one percent. So it's basically a pick 'em. Um, the line should be coming out sometime today.
1: I would um, guess Baylor's gonna be favored by around four. Yeah. So usually ESPN's a little lopsided towards the home team.
0: Yeah. Um. But no. So we'll see how uh, this goes. Um. I think the couple of big things to talk about before just kind of like overall talking about the game is injuries. Now, um, not sure if anybody has seen this. Now, obviously, you pretty much have to have Twitter um, just to, like, hear this news because obviously Iowa State hasn't had a game since this point. But Jazz, unfortunately, broke um, a finger yesterday or a few days ago in practice, whatever it was. Um, So he'll be out for um, probably around a month, if not more. And that definitely hurts. Um, and then obviously kind of a question mark is Oshun, um, from what Brandon told me, you said that basically it sounded like he wouldn't have played Omaha, but he's good to go for tomorrow.
1: I'd have to imagine he plays, especially with jazz going down, you're losing depth quickly if he doesn't play. Um, I think he will, he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes anyways. I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of the game where you see the transition from Oshun to Bob playing, and this is kind of a good transition to have that happen, I guess. You're going to try out a lot of new lineups tomorrow against Baylor, and we will just kind of see what happens. This is going to be a really tough game. It'll be a great crowd, but I think Jazz losing him, it really is just opening up this door for Trey King to ha- kind of have a breakout game. I saw a lot of good things in his first game. He's very physical. He can be that true four like we've seen back in the 2010s when you actually had a four out there and not just small ball. So I think he adds a lot to the rebounding, and it's not like Jazz has been super impressive and consistent offensively. So it's still a big loss since he was a starter, but it's not the end of the world. No.
0: I mean, obviously, I think it was probably a given that eventually there would have been the swap from Trey to Jazz. So just unfortunately, like when Jazz comes back, he's just going to be a bench spark. He's probably going to be that first rotation at the 17-minute mark with Gabe. And then depending on, you know, if Otz is going to stick with uh, Oshun or not, um, you could see either Oshun in that three-man rotation or um, sticking with Bob. But, um, yeah, I think the big thing is just, you know, this is a huge game for him. Um, And really the bigs as a whole, I think, it's, it's always a big thing, a big factor with Baylor every year,
1: especially because for some reason we always have to play them first. But Every year in football and basketball, it's always the first game.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. but And it's really unfortunate because it's like big mismatches for both the football and basketball teams, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that
1: being said, I think um, Trey King matches up a lot better with Baylor than Jazz does. So looking yeah. at the immediate future – it might not be all bad to have tree out there. Now it's just staying out of foul trouble, and you're going to see a lot more of Warden to Marion that we thought going into this game without the Jazz news. Sure, yeah, um,
0: but I will. I'm going to quickly pull up, um, just some Baylor stats. Give me a quick sec. Um...
1: <laughs> They're very similar to us in a lot of ways. It's just they have that name recognition with the national title in the last two years. And that's why they're at 12 and we're not ranked receiving votes. Yeah. Um, so starting off,
0: um, just kind of getting some point total legend and obviously rebounding. That's a big thing with Baylor. Um, Adam Flagler um, leads them with 16 a game. Obviously he's returning. Um, he's been with them for a couple years now. Uh, he's just kind of that next Baylor guard that steps up when the others leave. Um, not, not that he's been, like, bad the last few years or anything. He just kind of now gets his time to shine. I'm guessing Gabe will get that matchup. Yeah. And then Keontae George is their highly touted freshman. Um, he's second in scoring with 15 and a half. Um, and then LJ Cryer, he's another guard for them. Um, he's got just under 15. So those are kind of your three scores. those three guards. Um, And then obviously, um, I would say at least just by name recognition, I obviously haven't like watched enough of Baylor this year, but um, uh, Flo Thamba being their leading rebounder at five a game. And, you know, we know who he is. We've seen him plenty of times the last few years. So those are the kind of four players I'd personally highlight uh, for Baylor.
1: Yep, And as you mentioned with Thamba, he's the same Baylor big that's been there for 15 years. They're all the same. They're not going to score. It's a very guard-oriented team. He just does a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. and He's kind of the player that's hurt Iowa State in the past down low, just getting five, eight offensive rebounds, extending possessions, getting these tip-outs. So He's definitely got to watch down low and um, Shun, Burt, Ward, they're going to have to get tough very quick into this game and try not to get overmatched by him. As for the guards, it's you got to stop probably two of them, realistically. One of them's going to have a game. It always. Happens. One of them's going to go for twenty-five or thirty. That's just how it is because we don't have the guards to match up with them. No offense, Grill and Lipsy, you're a little outmatched there. Oh God, there's a story about Grill later. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I think I know <laughs> what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I think we have the four and five matchups over them. I think they have the one, two, and three over us. Yeah. Um, and obviously so, the rebounding edge. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> it's just kind of—is uh, it going to be a UConn level game? Most likely, um, we'll see how that goes. You got to—you just got to play it like close. No one's expecting them to win the rebounding game by any means, but you can't have that um, UConn game where they had uh, more offensive rebounds. Than we did total rebounds, and then they outrebounded us—out rebounded us by like thirty. So, that's-
1: just stay within ten.
0: Yeah, that's that's just you can't avoid that, and obviously second chance opportunities is what will kill you in this game because I know we'll see it a couple times where they're gonna get like three offensive boards and then a th- and then a guard is gonna drill a three like it's gonna happen. So it just really gotta limit that because that's the big thing that sucks with this team when you have when they're not very good scoring. It's just when you extend those when you give teams um, extra opportunities on the offensive side. Um, that's what technically or most usually hurts Iowa State. Yeah,
1: but they're just a uh, offensive-minded team compared to Iowa State. 80 points a game to 70 for us, and then we're holding the opponent to 56, and they're 65. So it's just 10 points here or there. You hope you can get under their um, guards a little bit. I think if you go after their freshman point guard, he's averaging three and a half turnovers a game he's probably going to be that target in the no-middle defense. Make yeah. him drive baseline, and you're going to create a lot, of, a lot of opportunities for you guys to run in transition. Yeah.
0: Um, but outside of that, um, don't know how much left for Baylor. Um, again, I, I honestly feel like it'll be very similar to last year's game. I think we lost by, like, five. But it was, like, close early on, and then, like, Baylor extended it, like, big-time double digits. We chipped back. And it was close near the end. Um, not to say like Iowa State's gonna get down fifteen. It's just kinda how we always play Baylor. I mean, like even like the two games last year, we got down like almost thirty points in Waco last game of the year, and then had a chance to like be in it at the end. They actually even took the lead at
1: one point near the yeah. end of the game. I was like, call it the Bob Jones game.
0: Yeah. And so it's just kinda always Iowa State, we always seem to get in a hole versus them, but somehow always claw back. So expect it to be close. Um, but it's, it's hard to say that this game's ever telling of Iowa State because it doesn't matter what team we ever have. It's the same kind of game versus Baylor for, you know, as long as I've been watching Iowa State.
1: Yeah. Baylor and Texas Tech are very similar. Pretty much rebounding is going to tell you the exact score of the game. You stay within five or 10 rebounds of them. You're probably going to be in a position to win the game. If it ends up the same score as last year, I'm going to feel a lot better going, forward for this team than i do right now it's kind of the same story last year you had those wins in the non-con but you're kind of looking at conference and a team like baylor who's very athletic the stylistic big 12 team you're going to see all year so if you can you just got to not get beat by 20 not have that UConn or iowa game and i'm pretty happy going forward yeah um but
0: outside of that uh, that's probably all we got for baylor and we kind of covered injuries so Couple closing things just um, for this episode is kind of an overall look at Big 12 play for Iowa State. Um, I would say you know they kind of open up with some tough ones right after the Baylor. They have to go to OU on Wednesday. They followed up by going to TCU on that Saturday. Uh, that's that that's going to be next week. So um, a week from tomorrow is at TCU, and then they come back and they get. Texas Tech at home and they go to Kansas and then we're back at school and we get uh, the snake. So the first six games are really brutal for Iowa State. Um, it's like last year, like it could be like a one and five, two and four star. I think I was, what we were like two and seven, whatever to start the year. It's a really, yeah, tough, it, was, it was, it was low, 10. but it's a really tough start. So like even like if Iowa State could manage to go 500. Every single Iowa State fan should feel really, really good about this team.
1: Yeah, if you're just looking to get to eight wins in the Big 12, it sounds like. And in the first four, as you mentioned, you just really need to go two, to, two and two, three and one. You can't dig yourself the hole of one and three early on. I think TCU, is they're really banged up right now. They haven't really been the full version of themselves yet. Is is my... Oklahoma yeah. is the worst team, probably, so... Is, is my boy Eddie Lampkin okay, at least? I think he's fine. It's just they've been missing some guards. Mike oh. Miles is doing his thing. But because... I think you really need to win those two on the road. And if you can get Baylor, that's great. It's just looking for that two and one to start the season.
0: The I, I'm just really hoping Lampkin is good because the chatter between Bob and him last year at TCU game was just freaking hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh, my. I can't stand playing TCU. They just always do that dumb high pick and roll on us, and it works every single time.
0: And then there's games, obviously, that I remember um, where maybe you should foul, um, you know, oh. went up three. Uh, five never- seconds left. <laughs> um, but, no, I think the big ones for sure are Oklahoma and TCU. Um, I, I mean, they're both on the road, but just, like, looking at your schedule, like the home games that you do have and – I mean, out of your first six, like, your three home games are Baylor, Tech, and Texas. Um, weirdly, I think probably Texas is maybe the most winnable game of them all, in my opinion.
1: All three will be sold out. We got that news today. I yeah, think Texas wasn't on that list, but they will be. Yeah.
0: Um, and then, obviously, um, you're probably not going into the fog and winning. That's like a one in 100 times thing happening. Yeah. So, it's, it's really – you got to find a way to win one of Texas – uh texas tech and baylor and then hopefully sweep next week at ou and at tcu but i mean other than that i mean we don't i'm not i don't think we're gonna go too far down the line in terms of the schedule because we'll get back like to that later but i just mainly wanted to highlight those first six and then kind of why we call it the first six and then the break they follow the texas game where they go to okie state which they'll probably be be like anywhere from 8 to 10 in the Big 12, most likely. So that's kind of where you get a kind of a relax because then after that you get K-State at home and you go to Missouri. So it's you kind of have like a little three-game stretch after the gauntlet to start it off. So that's just why it's really important
1: to be 500 um, out of the first six. Yeah, and we've seen it so many times come early February. It's just kind of a slog. There's not a whole lot of motivation going on. No. The good news for us now, I guess, if you're going to look at the positive side of the Jazz injury, is that's kind of a spark. Come that time where everything gets a little vanilla. You're you've been playing for four months now; it's getting old. So I think just these first four games are huge. You got to find a way to go 500 in these, and then looking forward, you just got to try to get to seventh, maybe eighth place in the conference. Will get you into the tournament, and I think that's the most reasonable goal for this team is just be at that. 10 11 12 seed yeah and
0: obviously like i don't want to be in a spot where we have to play the wednesday night in kansas city but at the same time it's it's never necessarily a bad thing because you kind of not i don't like the win might not be like huge but just having that win on against a power five team is like helpful in a sense so you know finishing in the bottom four of the big 12 isn't necessarily a death sentence for iowa state in terms of, like, in Kansas City because it's a really good opportunity instead of last year where it was almost you wish you didn't – you, like, somehow couldn't qualify for the Big 12 tournament because you lose by 30 to Texas Tech, and it's kind of – you just add that on top of your, I guess, resume, if if that's what you want to call it. Um, So I I think, yeah, it's just getting off to a decent start in Big 12 play because you don't need a whole lot to get in
1: the Big Tourney. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, you're looking at Kansas and then everybody else in this conference right now, it seems like to me, anyways. Yeah. And it always. I is. think they're just coming off of the national championship. They honestly seem to have more playmakers this year than they have in the past. They're just missing that big right now. They're a fascinating team. And then it's West Virginia is better than they were last year. But then, I don't know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are bad. So. I think you have an opportunity to sweep three teams in the conference, which we didn't have last year. So just taking care of those games that you're favored in, that you're supposed to win, winning your home games, that's you're in a good place to be in the tournament. You just got to take care of business. Yeah.
0: Um, Other than that, not sure if we have a whole lot else for you. Um, Anything you wanted to add on to it, Brandon?
1: Uh, Not too much. I think big 12 play is always super exciting. The first Saturday set of games are kind of boring. TCU plays Texas Tech. Kansas got Oklahoma State, Texas and Oklahoma, which Texas is interesting going forward. They're still ranked six, but that locker room's got to be in shambles right about now. Yeah. And West Virginia-Kansas State, which is kind of a who cares game. Kansas State's also interesting just because they started off kind of like Iowa State did last year.
0: Hey, though, the disrespect to Bobby, that's always a good night when you get to see the stool.
1: Yeah, but I don't, I don't like <laughs> watching games in Bramlage. It's always so dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that in Oklahoma just to rather watch any other game.
0: That's true. Well, um, I think this is just like a little side note thing, but obviously when Brandon noted, um, I've not having a bowl game, which is true and sad. Uh, we kind of get a bowl game opportunity-ish by watching Brock Purdy every single week. and Don't you guys worry. I have my Brock Purdy jersey in, uh, with me now. So uh, yep. that's at least one thing to look forward to, especially once the playoffs um, are are here because he will be nationally televised every single week. So there's some Iowa State football I guess people can look forward to. And I think he was just named NFL
1: Rookie of the Week for Week 16. So
0: I guess yep, they're... they're my
1: team right now, right? And, uh, I mean, if we're just looking at a Chargers 49er Super Bowl, and I'm happy with <laughs> football for the year. Uh, I think that would be the worst experience of my life if it was Brock Purdy
0: Versus my Chargers for Super Bowl. I don't know what I would do, but uh, (laughs) Um, outside of that, I don't think we have anything else for you guys. Um, So, as always, be sure to go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Side of the Storm Um, just for additional news. Now, obviously, kind of not even like a plug for us, like our Twitter page, which is overall Twitter. um, You know, if you guys are listening to this, although probably for the most part, you most likely got like the notifications through Twitter, but. Like getting news like Jazz's broken finger, you know, you may not have seen that in a lot of other places. Twitter's just kind of become the main news source. So um, just a big, I think the app in general is a big thing to keep up with Iowa State um, with Twitter follows like Chris Williams, Cyclone Fanatic, Nick Austin, et cetera, et cetera, Jared Stansberry, Um, all that jazz. I think it's just no pun intended there. I, I really did not even. Okay. Yeah, that was a really bad joke. That, that, I, that, was, that was not even a joke. I just said it, and it, I realized after. Anyway. You're making
1: fun of the injured people now.
0: <laughs> My bad, guys. Um, uh, but, yeah, overall, like, just go get on the app if you guys aren't already. Um, and then, obviously, follow us because we go ahead and post a little notification to let you know that podcasts are available. available and then just posting additional stuff, um, reactions to um, – Kind of Brock Purdy right now um, and just games in general, along with letting you know about, you know, talking about football specifically, um, any transfer portal news, um, coaching staff hirings or firings, um, all that stuff. So I kind of went in depth there, but I uh, would really recommend um, you guys doing that, especially, um, you know, you kind of just went through a stretch where we weren't, we didn't talk to you for a couple weeks, but uh, we, we did go ahead and post some stuff on Twitter. So that's all I got I already I already asked you, but I'll do it one more time. Any final thoughts, maybe specifically for Baylor, or just overall,
1: Brandon, um, just a couple of thoughts on the podcast. We're probably just going to get into this weekly release now that it's more consistent. It's just two games a week instead of one or sometimes three, like we saw in the Thanksgiving tournament. So it'll get more consistent. I'm guessing we'll probably do one around Sunday or Monday next week, just recapping the next two games we got. So I think it'll be a lot more consistent. You'll hear from us once a week, pretty consistently now. Um, but yeah, that's all I got.
0: Yeah. And I guess just kind of piggybacking off of that, we might do a weird one where we might have like a specific reaction to the Baylor game, either tomorrow um, or Sunday, whatever. Um, but then outside of that, just um, probably like, what, however we react, like, so my guess is what we're going to do. Is um we'll have a reaction from the past week along with a preview for the current week, kind of if that makes sense to you guys. So Baylor when Baylor might be a weird one, but like starting with Oklahoma, like we'd have a reaction to Baylor, but then a preview to Oklahoma, TCU, and then the next week we'd react to Oklahoma, TCU, and preview Texas Tech and Kansas. So it's just kind of a you get a reaction from the past week and a preview for the next week, kind of in one as a weekly episode. Um, so I guess yeah, that's. I'm assuming that's what you were thinking of doing, Brandon. Yeah, I
1: think that's just the easiest way with just two games a week and then you got whatever. And obviously, the games will do one specifically for that Texas and Kansas game. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not too excited. I'm not excited enough to do one over Oklahoma State at home. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, you guys,
0: I already went ahead and did the Twitter plug. So, um, hope you guys all have – Uh, again hope you had a happy holidays merry christmas and then obviously have a happy new year as we are just about to get to 2023 so we will see you guys um probably here shortly you'll kind of get a few episodes in this in the span of maybe even like two three days as we'll be back shortly to recap baylor and preview oklahoma and tcu but until next time roll clones baby